What is America's favorite flower? Well, of course, it's the rose. Something like 85% of all Americans say their favorite flower is the rose. How do you grow them? Well, we've talked about that on this show. You can go back and look for various episodes of the Garden Basics podcast where we talk about planting roses and pruning roses. We've even talked about fragrant roses. However, our next guest we've had on several times talking about roses, including the most edible roses. It's Debbie Arrington, Master Rosarian, the uh, typist behind the Sacramento Digs Gardening blog, a daily effort that has all sorts of good gardening tips, including tips on roses. And Debbie, I am so into cutting roses now for display indoors. It's like, is this what happens when you get old? You just, you just descend into a cut flower garden mode and that seems to be what i'm doing and all of a sudden i love going out to the yard every day and uh, picking off some rose branches and bringing them inside for display and from my perspective what i'm looking for in a rose as a cut flower is something that maintains its beauty for several days if not longer something that when i'm picking it Chances are I won't get stuck by a prickle. I mean, little prickles are okay, but I don't want anything too thorny, if you will, please. Maybe something that doesn't shed a lot while it's on display. Things like that. Everybody has their own criteria, as you might discover. And I imagine, Debbie Arrington, in the world of Master Rosarians, this might be a topic of great discussion, shall we say. Yes, it is. Because there are literally tens of thousands of different rose varieties that you could choose from. And everybody has their own opinion of what is quote unquote best. But the, the qualities that you describe as something that has a long stem, um, a presence in the room and in the vase that has a few prickles. So you aren't getting thorns in your finger every time you, you admire it and try to get it off the plant. Th- those are all qualities that people that grow roses professionally want in a rose. So, and those are also good things to have in your own garden roses. So we have uh, several favorites that we can share with you today. I should add that I'm uh, president of the Sacramento Rose Society, and we just had our 74th annual show. And it was our first show in uh, three years due to COVID regulations. So uh, we had a lot of pent-up energy, and and our roses seemed to, too, because we had uh, well over a 1,000 blooms in the room. Wow. And who won? Oh, the, the top prize went to Marilyn Monroe, not mine this time, but one that was grown by Charlotte Owendike. And Marilyn is an outstanding show rose. She's one of the best exhibition roses ever introduced. But I don't necessarily recommend Marilyn for everybody's garden because she has some of the most vicious thorns you will ever see on a rose plant. It's only because she is so beautiful she ever made it to the market. (laughs) Okay, I'll cross that off my list then. The two roses that were sitting next to her up on the, the top shelf are both really good uh, garden roses as well as exhibition roses that fit all the qualities that you want in a, a cut flower uh, with a lot uh, less pain. And those are Ring of Fire, which is a hybrid tea that is a dark orange uh, bordering on red. And it just sort of glows. And it's a really large bud. The, the buds measure about two and a half up to three inches long. When the flower opens fully, you know, it's about five, six inches across. It's a big rose. The color, um, it has this sort of uh, inner burning orangey color beneath the red. So it just sort of glows 
in the vase. So a very eye-catching rose and uh, excellent dark green foliage. So it just really sets it off nice. And uh, it puts out very long stems, easily 24, 30 inches. It's this great big rose on the top. So they're they're very handsome. And the the other one that was uh, the princes of our show was, was uh, the aptly named Hot Princes. And Hot Princes is a wonderful rose, both in the garden and in the vase, because it, oh, it just has beautiful form to it, a beautiful point that slowly opens you know, it has that sort of whirling petals, and it's a dark, dark pink. And another one that has this almost fluorescent color to it. And so both of those uh, make them very eye-catching. And when you're competing against a thousand other roses, you have to have something that is going to draw the eye to it other than, than the other flowers next to it. And it does it in the garden and also does it in the vase. Both those roses, uh, one of the reasons they're so outstanding for exhibition is because they put out good long stems. The the key to growing long stems is when you cut a rose to cut a, a lot of stem with it. And that includes deadheading the, the plant. Right now, people have a lot of roses. They've gone through their first flush of bloom. and There's a lot of dead roses on the plant, spent flowers. Most people will just snip them off, right, with maybe one or two inches of stem underneath it. So they're they're leaving a lot of stem on the plant and just taking off a little bit of stem with the rose. Well, roses tend to grow to a certain height and a certain stem length. So if you cut a long stem, you'll get a long stem on the next replacement rose coming off that cane. But if you cut a short stem, uh, just like you're deadheading the, t- the top of the rose, then the rose thinks, that, I don't need to put out any stem. I've got plenty of stem there. And we'll just put out a little r- little rose on a little you know side stem uh, on top of that that other stem. So instead of having a nice long straight stem, you have this kind of uh, funky crooked growth up at the top. And in the garden, you know, that looks fine. But if you're growing uh, for a cut flower, cut long stems every time you cut the bush. Where do you make that cut? I have heard it often said that the place to make a cut when uh, taking a stem for a rose is to make that cut just above a bud that is putting out a five-leaflet leaf as opposed to a three-leaflet leaf. Yes. Yes, you you always go down to a five-leaflet uh, because the, the, the leaflet right there at the base uh, of that of that leaflet uh, where it attaches to the stem is the node. And that node is what is going to generate the next stem. You want that down farther in the plant. And you also want it to be pointing outwards away from the inside of the bush so that when that new growth comes it will be growing out and not in that improves air circulation inside the bush it also makes for a straighter stem because it doesn't have to compete with other stems inside the bush one of my criteria also for going out to the yard and picking roses as a cut flower is i really like it when there's a bunch of roses all in one spot i'm thinking of the Mm -hmm. sally holmes there seems to be a gaggle of roses that are attached to what would be a long single stem and it fills out a vase very nicely yes it does that's uh, what's called a spray that's uh, multiple buds on one stem all roses will produce a spray, some more than others. Uh, some roses are, are bred specifically to produce large flower heads like that, large sprays. Um, and Sally Holmes is one of those. Uh, Sally Holmes is a, a white climber. The flowers are uh, single and they, they look like apple blossoms. And actually, roses are a distant cousin of apples. So Sally Holmes, you can really see the, the relation between the two. And Sally Holmes 
uh, is one of those roses that uh, will literally cover a fence or a house if you let it. It grows very vigorously, very fast, uh, but it does put out one stem uh, for a full bouquet with uh, easily oh, 8 to 12 uh, flower heads on that one stem. Those other roses that are, are bred that way are the floribundas. And floribundas are a class of roses that were introduced about 100 years ago uh, from breeding. And what their name literally means is uh, abundant flowers. And they're roses, instead of just putting out uh, one terminal bud on the end of a stem, and that, that's the, the, the scientific approach to, to what you're describing is, you know, one, one bud, one stem, that, that's a terminal bud on that stem. Instead, on uh, a, a floribunda and, and like Sally Holmes, uh, they put out a spray, and those are several buds that are collected at the end of that stem. What is the difference between a floribunda and a polyanthus? Uh, they're, they're very different. Uh, polyanthus tend to be little itty bitty tiny roses, but lots of them. Poly is that there, there's, you know, lots of, of, uh, anthus. They, they put out on one stem, oh, easily, uh, 10 to 20, uh, blooms. And, but they're tiny. They, they look like little Tom Thumb roses, which, which is from variety, or, or, you know, Thumbelina or something, something that is like a little fairy rose. In fact, a whole range of them are named after different storybook characters. Uh, there's a whole series of, of Snow White dwarfs, polyanthas that are, are named for each of the dwarfs. Uh, I've got Grumpy growing in my yard and, <laughs> and, and gr- Grumpy is hot pink, ah. uh, by the way. But, but the flowers are, are less than, than an inch crossed and they have many little petals too. They're, they're just dainty and adorable, but they, they're really nice in how they fill out a bouquet. Because the the key to making a good bouquet is not all the flowers are the same size. Now, if you're doing a formal bouquet, like an exhibition, they want all twelve roses to be exactly the same. But if you're making a, a bouquet for your for your table or you know inside or or as a gift, it's really nice to have a variety of sized flowers in there. When you put together an arrangement, the basic formula is thrill, the fill, and the spill. And the thrill is your vocal points. And those are usually, you know, if you're talking roses, you're talking big roses. The fill is things to, to go between those, those big flowers. And polyanthus make an excellent filler flower in that they're these little tiny flowers that echo the, the big rose, but they're, they're small and they usually are in lighter colors. There, there's uh, some dark pink ones. And, there, and there's a few reds, too. Uh, Wingding is an excellent red uh, polyantha, and it's fire engine red. But a lot of them are like baby pink or white. And so it's like a nice uh, soft frame for the other flowers. And then your spill is uh, your foliage and other things that uh, frame uh, your bouquet and spill over the edges of the vase to soften the edge of the vase. So uh, ivy is a good fill, you know, a good uh, spill. Ferns, any sort of your curved foliage that would... Uh, complement the roses. I have a lot of sword ferns, and so I usually use those to fill out my rose bouquets. But I also have some different ivies, which look really nice. And Nandina, the the um, heavenly bamboo, bamboo, the heavenly bamboo, mm-hmm. and that makes a good fill as well as spill because the they have the w- little white flowers on the Nandina yeah. right now, and those look almost like baby's breath in the vase, and a lot easier to grow. But other foliage that is just pretty foliage, that's green foliage, that, that frames the flowers nicely. You're softening the hard edge of the vase and, and framing your flowers when you add your foliage. 
quite often a florist will add um, a sprig of a citrus leaf, orange or lemon, because that adds some extra scent to the bouquet. And a popular trick to add more rose scent to a, a bouquet of roses is a stem of rose geranium. Mm. Because the rose geranium actually has a stronger scent than most roses. Do you want that? Oh, uh, sometimes if you have roses, they don't have that much scent. Okay. <laughs> that might have a lot of look, but not a lot of scent. Well, I, uh, I, I distracted you from talking about Floribundas. Oh, there's a lot. And Floribundas, they're a class of roses that almost full-size uh, hybrid tea roses. Uh, most Floribundas are three to four inches across when fully opened, but they have this blooming habit where they will bloom in a spray instead of single roses. And they can put out single roses too, but they tend to put out these big flower heads. And uh, my favorite and the favorite of most people here in Sacramento is uh, Julia Child. And it is a wonderful butter yellow Floribunda and uh, Julia herself picked out this rose to honor her. And it is the color of uh, freshly churned butter. It's a, a lovely yellow. And it grows in these big, soft, romantic, curvy heads. They're very rounded. They're very uh, soft and very full. So it has this sort of old English look to it. Uh, most of the, the uh, sprays, oh, they've easily got five or six on it. But it has very good foliage, a very clean foliage. So it's a nice kind of like a dark apple green. And the scent on it is a really interesting uh, licorice scent. It's not what you would typically say as a, as a rose scent, but it's a beautiful yellow rose. It's really nice in the landscape because it stays in bloom oh, all through our heat without losing that yellow color. And, and that's one thing that's really tough in uh, Sacramento is that a lot of roses get bleached out in summer uh, because it's just too hot. And you really get better bloom if you have like on a uh, eastern facing garden instead of it being uh, south facing or in, in full blasting sun that way your your color will last longer two other uh floor bundles i wanted to mention that just put out a uh, spectacular bouquets betty boop betty boop is just a fantastic rose it can take all sorts of different growing conditions and uh my betty boop right now oh it probably has 300 roses on oh. it it's tall. It's a, uh, you know, people tend to think Floribundas are small, uh, because they're marketed that way. They, they, you can prune a Floribunda harder than a hybrid tea and keep it smaller. So you can keep the bush in a smaller space, like three to four feet instead of, uh, you know, four to five. My Betty is about six foot tall and six foot wide and just covered with blooms. Betty Boop looks like, uh, each of the blooms are kissed, uh, with bright, bright red lipstick. Oh, they call it semi-double. It's about uh, eight to 10 petals. So the petals are very open and look almost single with real pronounced stamens in the middle. And it's cream colored, but with this bright red uh, edge to it. Uh, so it was like somebody painted lipstick right on the edge of each bloom. It's a lovely rose. So you can just imagine these big heads of of those flowers in a, in a spray with, you know, 10 or 12 of them clustered together. They're just lovely. And bees love that rose uh, because it has such, oh, such pronounced stamens and, and very open blooms. So it, it always has a lot of uh, bee activity and um, it's just a beautiful rose in the garden. And another one of my Floribunda favorites, um, it doesn't so much put out the big sprays. It puts out a lot of singles, but it is just an absolutely gorgeous rose. It's called Daybreaker. And a Daybreaker is a kind of an apricot blush color with a gold center and, and, and it has a little bit of striping in it. 
And so every, uh, every bloom looks like a slice of the dawn and everyone is different, just like dawns are. It's no two are exactly the same. And it has beautiful, uh, dark green foliage that is totally disease proof. Um, it never has any rust or powdery mildew or black spot or anything on it. It is just bulletproof as far as, as, um, any diseases. And I have a no spray garden. So uh, if somebody is prone to something, I, I know it right away. It puts out really nice long stems that look fantastic in a vase. It easily has about, oh, I'd say 60 blooms on that bush right now. And each of them has a, a two foot stem. And that again is daybreaker. Daybreaker. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful floribunda. You used a couple of terms that probably need a bit of definition for people who don't know. You you talked about uh, roses that are singles and roses that are doubles. What is the difference? Yes, a single rose has uh, fewer than eight petals, and quite often a single rose will have five or six petals, and it looks uh, very open like an apple blossom, uh, with real pronounced stamens in the middle, and the stamens are those little yellow gold things in the middle of the of the flower. It has a very uh, open look to it, like sort of like a daisy or something. You know, it's it, it doesn't even look like a rose a lot of times, uh, which is one of the reasons they're very eye-catching is because you you have to think twice about what it is. There are, are the, that Betty Boop has a few more petals than eight. You know, she has some roses on her that are probably about six to eight, but quite often has eight to ten. So that makes it called a semi-double, which is up to 16. But other than that, uh, roses are full roses. It just depends on how full. And so a full rose is anything above that. Most hybrid teas are in the 30 to 40 range. But your Austin roses, uh, which are your, your big uh, English shrub roses that are, are supposed to be like giant cabbage roses, uh, they can be 80 to 100. <laughs> and yeah, so, and that's why they get so full looking is they have so many, so many petals. But that also makes them extremely fragile. And they quite often will burst and literally throw throw petals all over the room. It's pretty wild. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think that's another important criteria is you don't want yes. a plant on your dining room table. It's going to make a mess. That explodes. Yes, it explodes. <laughs> yes. You know, they, they, I um, I have just a few Austins because uh, they, they get pretty big. And both of the ones that I have uh, are in the ground, at least, are are ones that have smaller habits, which means that they stay uh, under four to five feet. Because the thing about the Austin roses that they discovered, these were these were shrub roses that were originally bred in England, where it's it tends to be colder than here in Sacramento. Uh, they stay smaller, you know, in like a four or five foot range. But when they come to Sacramento, they love the warmth. They think it is just fantastic here. And they will get to be, you know, six to eight feet real quick and just as wide. And they're very handsome if you have the room, but they take up a lot of room. So so the two that I have, one is one that they released a long time ago named Tamara, which is a, a kind of an apricot color. And the other one is this new one uh, that was released uh, a few years ago named um, Olivia. And and yes, they do name most of the roses after people or or women's names. Olivia is is an outstanding rose. If you're going to get an Austin rose, Olivia would be the one to get. Because she has all the good qualities and none of the bad uh, for an Austin rose. She's a, a light baby pink and with very full uh, cabbage-style flowers and uh, incredible scent, uh, just a wonderful scent. And she puts out big sprays where, you know, one stem is, is a whole bouquet. She also can grow in uh, semi-shade. 
because I've got her in a spot where she gets uh, quite a bit of shade during the summer and she keeps blooming and she has very few thorns. Uh, the big difference between her and Tamara is Tamara is covered with, with uh, prickles. Just terrible, mm. terrible thing. But Olivia is is just a she, she's the best of the Austins for cut flowers. Well, since you brought it up, will either of those explode on the dining room table? Oh, Tamara does. Tamara will do it in a day. <laughs> Tamara does not last well off the bush at all. But uh, Olivia, when, when she goes, she will explode all over the table, yes. <laughs> because she has just so many petals and they have to go somewhere yeah. but yet you, know. you recommend them as a cut flower yeah because this the scent is so strong okay tamara is that spelled t-a-m-o-r-a yes it's t-a-m-o-r-a okay. tamara all right yeah. Of course, most people are familiar with hybrid tea roses. In my experience with hybrid teas is they don't really have a long stem. They don't look great that great in a tall vase, or am I just being lazy on this? It's as I mentioned that it, a lot of your roses, it depends on how you were cutting those stems and how you were training that plant to grow. Because most hybrid teas are bred to put out nice long stems. That's one of the things that they look for in that rose. And there are a lot that will put out very good stems, especially for your first flush of flowers, the, those ones that you get in April and May. All right. Now, I know we've mentioned a couple of hybrid teas already, Ring of Fire and Hot Princess. What are some other good hybrid tea roses for cutting? Well, I'll start with the reds because that's what people usually associate with with cut roses is is red roses. And that seems to always be the request that people have is what are some good red roses that I can grow and and cut and bring inside. And everybody's favorite in that category is Mr. Lincoln. Uh, That's an old oldie, but still a goodie. And one of the reasons it's so beloved is that it has a wonderful deep red rose scent. It's a very heavy scented rose and that you bring one of those stems inside and it will fill a room with scent. So it's much sought after for that. Um, it's a very dark red rose. And it, when, it's one of those roses that if it's planted in uh, full sun, it can uh, get kind of toasted. So it, um, it, Oh, it now you it. tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's but it's a but it's a nice rose, you know, and it has you know it's, it has wonderful long stems and very consistent. Uh, another good red is Olympiad, and Olympiad was uh, introduced in 1984 for the uh, LA Olympics. It's a, a classic red rose with a wonderful uh, high pointed center. Um, it looks like a florist rose. Uh, it has very few prickles on it and a nice long straight stems. It has a beautiful red color that does not fade. So a very consistent rose in the garden. And a red rose that was introduced recently that is a outstanding uh, red rose that it looks just like a florist rose also. It's called Veterans Honor. And it is a, a dark red with a high point. And it lasts a long, long time in the vase. It, it will last, oh, easily a week and, and still be continuing to open during that time instead of opening really quickly. That, that's the one thing about Mr. Lincoln is that uh, once it's off the, the, the plant and in a vase, it will tend to open fairly quickly, uh, while Olympiad and Vet- Veterans Honor will stay in their bed form much longer. 
Oh, is that a good thing or do you want them? See, that that's another thing I've been wondering about as I'm pursuing this new hobby of cutting roses for displaying indoors mm-hmm. is, man, I, I, I see some of these with full open flowers and yet there are buds that haven't opened right next to it. And I'm wondering, well, maybe I better not cut it because those buds will never open. The the buds will eventually open in most cases. The, the key is to keep getting uh, water up the stem. And so when you bring that flower into the house, um, recut the stem underwater mm. because it will move any air bubbles and it will get better flow uh, of water up the stem and uh, recut the stems every couple of days uh, also underwater again to keep that flow of uh, moisture going up the stem because uh, as long as there's there's water coming up the stem those buds should continue to develop and open. Now, explain to me exactly how to do that. Do you keep a bucket in in the kitchen and and take the rose out of the vase, put it in the bucket, make the cut, and then quickly transfer it back to the vase? Yeah, okay. but but I don't even take a bucket. I mean, it's just you know, it's like a cup of water or something. It's just just long enough for me to get get a, you know a pair of scissors in there to snip the end of the the rose because uh, you know it doesn't need much. Just a just uh, about an inch from from the bottom of the stem. Okay, that's a, well. That's a good tip for cutting roses is to uh, trim them every couple of days and do it underwater, mm-hmm. and then uh, plunge them back. I imagine into fresh water in the vase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you can use some sort of flower food, you know, some, like floral flesh stuff like that. Uh, that will help keep the water cleaner. What it does is add some sugar to the water, and that is uh, some nutrients help. It's like giving your plant some fertilizer. And, and help the, the plant continue to be robust off the plant. Would ginger ale accomplish the same thing? Yeah, so so does 7-Up uh, or Sprite. Okay. As, as long as you don't use diet. <laughs> okay. I, well, good. Now I know what to use that uh, unopened bottle of ginger ale for. Well, it will, it will work. You know, it's like ginger ale does have, have some ginger in it, so it, it will color the water. But Sprite and 7-Up, you know, they don't have any coloring in it, so it doesn't color the water. As long as you don't use diet. And and another tip while we're talking about it is uh, make sure to remove all the foliage that's going to be below the water line because the foliage will decay when it's underwater and that will, well, it ruins the water. It it, it makes it all all funky. (laughs) So do you use tap water to put your flowers in or are you somehow uh, maybe using a a, a filter? I just just use tap water. That's fine. Our water is fine here. Okay. I mean, if there was some, in, uh, there's a problem over in, in Davis because of the boron in the water, but most people have that filtered off their tap anyway. What but, about uh, for soft water systems? Oh, geez. It should be fine. Okay. I guess the other option is to use like a Brita filter like you'd use for drinking yeah. water and use that water. Yeah. I have some more colors, yes. Yeah, so we yeah co- I was going to say, let, let's let's go back we to hybrid. Let's go back to hybrid tea roses and uh, add some color to our uh, to our red selection of Mister Lincoln Olympiad and Veterans Honor. What are some other colorful hybrid teas for cut roses? Well, a lot of people love pinks, and there are a lot of great pinks. Uh, one right now that uh, a lot of people have, and, and it's a very popular rose for several reasons, is Pink Promise, and Pink Promise. Uh, was uh, distributed a few years ago as a, as the breast cancer rose. Oh, a portion of sales went to uh, a, a breast cancer research fund. And, but it is a, a lovely, classic-shaped, really light pink rose, very much like a baby pink, with just a little bit of a darker edge 
uh, around the petals. And uh, what's outstanding about this rose, though, is it puts out really long stems, beautiful, you know, two to two to three foot long stems with these huge roses that are easily uh, three inches long. So they're they're beautiful buds. Uh, the one thing it it does. Uh, tend to fade out and heat, and so it gets a little toasty around the edges. But but it's a very pretty rose and very nice long stems, and not many thorns on it either. Mm. So it's it's very good that way. Traditional pink pink. There, there's two that have a very kind of a fluffy look to them, but are really a nice pink. And uh, one of them is Queen Elizabeth, and uh, Queen Elizabeth is the original Grandiflora, and a Grandiflora is a cross between a hybrid tea and a Florabunda. So it has that that habit of putting out big sprays on one stem, but they're full-size roses and, uh, and very showy and very big. And, uh, and Queen Elizabeth uh, was introduced the, the year that Queen Elizabeth II uh, took the throne, so, so back in the early 50s. Mm-hmm. And it is um, an outstanding medium pink rose that just blooms and blooms and blooms. And she looks fantastic in the, in the landscape, and she's fantastic in the vase. They, they tend to open up quickly, as a lot of grandifloras do tend to open up quicker than, than hybrid teas. A stem is a bouquet, so it's, it's a really, really nice rose. Another good pink that looks similar to Queen Elizabeth but is a hybrid tea is named Friendship. And that's, that's a lovely rose. And those roses, uh, they'll last a week on, off the, the bush easily. And another pink, but this, this rose is wild, is a Gentle Giant. And Gentle Giant is hot pink with a little bit of yellow in the throat. And those blooms are easily uh, eight to 10 inches across when fully open. Wow. They, they are immense. They're really impressive. <laughs> you know? and, and very, very pretty too. It's, it's a, it's a lovely color. Uh, in the, well, in the blend and one that has a wonderful scent and that lots of people love is Double Delight. And Double Delight doesn't have that long of stems. Uh, it tends to stay a shorter plant, but the flowers are just beautiful and they have this wonderful kind of apple scent to them. Uh, they're cream colored with uh, red coloring on the edges of the petals. And the more heat and sun it gets, the redder the bl- bloom. When uh, early in the season, it will look very cream colored with just a little bit of blush on it. But by middle summer, it will look like it's a red rose with a little bit of white in the throat. But it has a wonderful scent, and uh, it's another one that can really fill a a room up with perfume. And it looks good in the garden and good on the table. Uh, Ones that are yellows, yellows is another popular color, and there are some excellent yellows that have come out recently. One of them is called About Face. And about face is a, it's a grandiflora and it's really tall. I mean, it, it can, you know, it's definitely one that you want to put at the back of the bed, uh, because it's, it goes uh, six feet and up and it can throw out canes that are 10 foot tall that are just amazing, which means it always has great long stems if you're looking for long stems. And the roses are easily six inches across when fully open and they, have uh, their bicolor on the inside of the petals it's a light gold but on the outside of the petals it's a copper color it's a you know real dark copper and so it looks like two different roses on the same plant as they open up it's a really interesting rose and and very pretty one that's a more traditional gold is uh, called strike it rich it's a grandiflora 
And another one, a gold medal, is also a grandiflora. And one of the things about the grandifloras is a lot of them have fewer prickles, which makes them a lot smoother stemmed, and so they're easier to work with. And they're definitely easier for, for a bouquet. And that last one, of course, gold medal. Yes. Please continue. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and gold medal is one that uh, it's a beautiful exhibition rose as well as uh, in the garden and in the vase. Uh, it's it's a it's a gorgeous, perfect yellow form, and it keeps its dark yellow, which is really nice. While strike it rich is more of a soft gold, as as you would think, because it it has you know they're both golden in their in their names. Love and peace is a a combination of of red and yellow, which is really striking in the vase. It was a hybrid uh, created between the peace rose, which is that beautiful light yellow pink uh, combo. And a rose named Love, which is a beautiful red rose. And in one of those rare happenstances, it actually worked where they got what they were aiming for. It looks like a peace rose with a dark red blush. And it's a very striking rose in the, in the garden and in the vase. Perfect Moment is another one that's a red and yellow blend that's very striking uh, as a cut flower. It has very nice long stems and very consistent. Uh, mine uh, bush... Oh, man, it puts out 36 stems at once uh, with these big, big buds on them. It's a very, very good-looking plant. At Sunset Celebration uh, is a wonderful orange. It's uh, kind of a medium orange, kind of somewhere past peach. (laughs) It's a a really nice orange color that holds this good color instead of fading into something less attractive. And it opens very slowly and has long, nice straight stems. It's a a very good-looking rose. And I have one left that's a purple because uh, purples are good. Silver Star is uh, it's kind of a lavender mauve color. uh, And it tends to put out a lot of, of sprays. So it's another one that uh, has this that habit of uh, a bouquet on the stem, and it will bloom in a semi-shade. I've got it in a spot where it's getting oh, less than five hours of sun a day, and it, it blooms beautifully. I will repeat that for those of you who, like me, may be blessed with more shade than you'd like. Silver Star. Yes. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about some, uh, shall we say, rose confusion that exists out there. Because if somebody goes shopping for roses based on what we're uh, chattering about here, and let's say they see love and peace. Well, they may see the hybrid tea like we've been talking about, but they may also see a miniature love and peace. And a lot of these roses come in more than one form, don't they? Well, it, it depends. There's only a few of them, really, that where there's, they doubled up on the name uh, because the registry tries to, tries to stop that confusion. Uh, but there are many forms of roses, and miniatures are, are one uh, class of roses. Uh, and miniatures are not referring to the size of the plant. They are referring to the size of the balloon. And miniature roses uh, tend to be uh, under two and a half inches. They're, they're smaller blooms. And the plants also tend to be smaller, generally will stay under three feet tall. And there's some that only grow to about ankle height. And in a container, they'll, they'll stay quite small and compact. The roses, they can look like uh, hybrid teas. They can look like floribundas with big sprays, but they always are smaller. And so that, that's why they're called a miniature. Well, I have plenty of small vases, so I bet there's some good miniatures that make for good cut oh, flowers. Yes. There, there's, no, there's, and, yeah, and, and closely related to miniatures 
are a class they created a few years ago called mini floras hmm. and mini floras are that gap between miniature and floribunda. So it gets even more confusing, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there are many miniatures that look really nice in a vase. Everybody's favorite in Sacramento is this one called joy yes. and joy is um, a classic, uh, oh, creamy white uh, rose, but it has this purple-pink edge, a Picardy edge on on the blooms, and they look like little hybrid tea roses. They they have that that perfect uh, form of a hybrid tea with a pointed center, but it has this edge that's this purple-pink that's very pretty, and it puts out lovely sprays. It's a, a really nice-looking uh, rose. On the plant and also in the vase. In, in the vase, it's just gorgeous. It, it almost always wins when when, it, when somebody brings in a good joy. Yes, um, that is the rose that got me interested in doing roses as cut flowers because the, yeah. the joy last it, year just performed outstanding. It was in a very warm area, too, and yet it, mm-hmm. it bloomed and bloomed and, and it got like four feet tall. Yeah, it's a very vigorous plant. It's, it's really lovely. Uh, there's, there's another that it's been an instant hit and its name is yes it's true and it is pink and yellow blend and uh, it's a very vigorous plant and it's just covered with uh, flowers right now and mine is at least and they look like like full full size hybrid teas only they're tiny maybe about 2 inches across mm. but a uh, very pretty uh Kind of hot pink with a with a yellow blend at the throat, and um, my favorite miniature, at least in my own yard, is one that's called Rainbow Sunblaze, and it is a red yellow blend. It has more kind of a ball shape in the middle instead of a, a pointy center, but it just blooms and blooms and blooms. And, you know, so it's one of those I can always make a bouquet off the bush, you know, and it stays fairly compact. It's about two and a half feet tall, but easily that wide also, and just covered with with buds. So it looks spectacular in the garden, and but it also allows me to make lots of, of bouquets off of it also. I'm going to make an assumption here. I hope it's true. There is in the world of roses a lot of single blooming roses where you get one major flush per year. And I think all the roses we're talking about today are repeat bloomers. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. And there's a lot of older roses that only bloom in spring that are just uh, single bloom roses. And the, a lot of your species roses and old garden roses uh, will only bloom in spring. They bloom just once a year. But everything we've been talking about today blooms multiple times a year and very reliably. Uh, the thing about roses is that they react uh, very predictably, when you cut off a stem, they will try to grow a new stem with a new flower on it. And it, that will take about six to eight weeks, depending on weather conditions, until it blooms again. So if you have a major event coming up and you have a lot of flowers in your garden and you want to have a lot of, of roses for people to see, like, you know, you're having a party or a wedding, backyard wedding or something like that, count back eight weeks from the event and prune your yard. Uh, because the roses will put out new blooms that will bloom in six to eight weeks. And so it will have a very predictable flower show when the time comes 
So you can you that also works if you're you're planning to have a roast show. Yes. Or a <laughs> you know, wedding. When, yes, when you when you when you bring an advance. <laughs> yeah, so people who plan weddings well in advance, you want to if you're gonna have a summertime, especially a late summer wedding in your yes. backyard, yeah. then eight six to eight weeks beforehand, prune the roses. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more tips for uh, growing roses or caring for roses as cut flowers? How often do you fertilize them, for example? Oh, I, right now, about once a month. Well, because I, I started my prune schedule in anticipation of having an April rose show, I had a big bloom in late April. And so now my, my plants are cycling back. It's at that time of year where they're they're warming up again. So I've been doing a lot of deadheading. And so now that they're deadheaded, though, they need to, they need some food. So, um, that, that's what, so I tend to fertilize after I've done a lot of deadheading. Of the roses we've mentioned, will most of these roses work well across the country that grow roses would basically be yes. USDA zone six through nine? Oh, yes, definitely. Roses, you know, admittedly, they grow better in Sacramento probably than just about anywhere because we have just about the perfect growing conditions for them. We have low humidity. Uh, there's no summer <laughs> rain and there's no Japanese yeah. beetles. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we have, we have good soil. We have, we have everything they need. And, and roses actually are very drought tolerant. You know, that's, that's one thing to, to remember, you know, with them is, is they can get by with less water if you need to. The one thing is when you do cut back on your water, cut back on your fertilizer, Mm -hmm. you can burn your plants. And I imagine uh, mulching would play a role in making them more drought tolerant too. They, they appreciate mulch. All right. Did we leave anything out? To prompt more bloom. Uh, you need to, you need to pr- cut your roses regularly. You, yeah, you need to, you need to cut out the spent blooms and encourage that plant to bloom more. So, yeah, cause some people, though, they, they wonder why their roses aren't blooming and then they realize they never took off the old roses. And if you don't take those off, that rose will think that it is done for the season and it should just let that turn to fruit. Which is higher in vitamin C than most foods. Yes. Rose hips are very high in vitamin C. Yes. That, right. that's, a, that's a podcast for the fall. There you go. <laughs> All right. If you're growing roses or you want to grow roses, considering how you're going to display them indoors, we've given you a lot of good tips today. Debbie Arrington is president of the Sacramento Rose Society. She is a master rosarian. She is also the proprietor and chief typist, coach chief typist of the Sacramento Digs gardening blog, which is available wherever you get your blogs. And there's a lot of good information there uh, that applies throughout the country. You had a a post a a few days ago about... uh, our wacky weather that's been changing from cold to hot and what it's doing to roses. Yeah, it's uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, plant diseases that we don't usually see in the spring. And it's a reaction to the weird weather that we've had. Uh, we've been ping-ponging back and forth, boy, uh, over a 30-degree uh, temperature range in the afternoons, uh, as well as having uh, some rare uh, moist May conditions. And so we saw uh, plant diseases, most notably powdery mildew, and uh, botrytis, you know, in May, when we usually don't see those those things until later in late fall, like October, November. Common occurrences along with black spot in many areas of the country, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the thing to do, I, best, I guess, as you mentioned in that blog post, is to you cut out uh, the offending branches and put them in the trash. Yes. Yeah, don't compost it. Just put the fungus back in, in the garden. Yeah. Just, and the thing about roses is uh, they tend to be very uh, durable. And very, very hardy. 
you know, they want to grow a healthy foliage. They want to grow back uh, nice, fresh green leaves. So if you take off the diseased leaves and give the plant some water and, and nutrients, it usually will grow back fresh foliage and new flowers. There you go. Cut roses, add it to your garden. Good pair of snippers, too, helps as well. Debbie Arrington, thanks so much for all your help growing some good roses today. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure.